0: You brought us here right now, this moment, this time, to worship you, to gather here, to be in your presence. (sighs) Right now, God, we pray that our hearts would be worshiping you more than outwardly. You would see us, and we would see you. We pray that you would help us to receive you tonight, help us to see you tonight more clearly, to feel you more nearly, to see you, God, is all that we can ask. We pray that you would be that one thing that we look towards, that one thing that we need, that we ask for, that we love above all things. Nothing else is comes close to you. You're holy, you are set apart. And we pray that we would choose you. And we pray that you would help us with this word. Would your Holy Spirit be here in this place, would it dwell in each and every one of us? Would you show up? Would it make sense to us? Would the gospel make sense because of you, Jesus? And we praise your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Paul's um, writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy is the elder that Paul left in charge of the church at Ephesus. Um, in our Acts study, we've talked about Ephesus a lot. We saw Paul arrive there in chapter 18 and he found the people very um, open to the gospel. Um, but then God called him uh, away from the city. Uh, and while he was still he there in the city while he was gone, and um, while he was gone, Apollos came in. And Priscilla and Aquila disciple Paulus, and they saw many people come to faith. Paul returns later, uh, and God does some miraculous things. And it says, like, even handkerchiefs um, that Paul had touched were like healing people. Um, we think, chapter 19 facts that a riot breaks out in the city, and everybody's like going crazy, and they're trying to kill Paul and some others. Um, and then uh, we see in chapter 20, Returns briefly to the city and uh says his final goodbye to the elders there, and they all cry together and they pray together before he goes. And right after that is when he goes back to Jerusalem and he's charged and eventually ends up in Rome, so he never makes it back to Ephesus, as far as we know. It was the last moment he was there. He does write them a letter later, um, while he's, while he's in prison, and in the letter of Ephesians, this is the 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 he wrote back to that church again. He starts off by saying how affectionate he is towards them. We saw that in Acts when they're praying together and they're weeping. Um, He reminds them that they're saved by God, by God's grace alone, and that they're saved from their sin. Uh, He points out that they're included in God's people and encourages them to be unified in Christ because they're all included in the same people of God. Um, he instructs, uh, instructs them to persevere through suffering because he says in chapter 3, um, this, this great God is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or imagine, right? Then he goes up to say that they should walk in love and demonstrate their faith in their lives, in their families, uh, and in their work. Um, and he ends the book by reminding them that the real enemy is not their persecutors or the corrupt city leaders, but their real enemy is Satan, and the last thing he tells them to do uh, is to keep sharing the gospel and to pray for him as he's sharing the gospel in prison. Right? So he writes this letter to the Ephesians, and a little bit later he writes a letter to Timothy himself. That's the one we're reading. here. He's at the end of his life at this point. Uh, he's been arrested. He's awaiting trial. He writes to Timothy. Um, he loves Timothy like a son. You can see at the beginning of this book, uh, and. He reminds Timothy in chapter 1 to stick to true doctrine, to rebuke those who are going off into all kinds of distractions, uh, and he reminds him that, that his goal in leading this people is love, uh, and he points out his own sinful past um, right before he starts chapter 2, um, where he says, I, I'm the chiefest of sinners, um, and, and he points to God's goodness and grace in saving one such as, as even as I, he says that, that, um, the chiefest of sinners. Um, he uh, 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 to, to turned away for good, for good teaching uh, and obedient holiness. And he says they've shipwrecked their faith at the end of chapter one, right? So they, because they've turned away from good doctrine, because they've turned away from obedient holiness, he says they've shipwrecked their faith. Um, and he starts chapter two. Uh, so why why well, summarize like like nine chapters of the Bible before we jump into like seven verses? Um, I, wanna, I want us to remember these are real people living in a real city with real problems. Um, and all of these things that, that we saw in Acts and we see in Ephesians and the first chapter of Timothy, he's going to refer to in these seven verses, kind of like super rapid fire machine gun style. Uh, he knows these people, Paul knows these people, he loves them, he knows their city, he knows their problems very well, uh, and he's reminding Timothy in this passage of all the things that he's said before in, in uh, Acts and in Ephesians. Um, and so in of all that context, what does he tell Timothy to do? Uh, first of all, he says, like Chris pointed out, first of all, in like all this stuff, all this history, and this context that we have together, um, first of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uh, when we pray, our heart should be for the good of everyone. And we pray for all people. Uh, at the end of chapter one, Paul tells Timothy, I urge you to wage the good warfare. Uh, and then he tells him, Pray right? It, it's not we wage warfare by getting on Facebook and typing out our opinions. It's not that we wage warfare by uh, making sure certain people get to the right positions of power. We wage warfare by prayer. by prayer. Mm-hmm. And I want to say a couple of things here. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say pray for some people. He doesn't say pray for the people you agree with. He doesn't say pray for your friends. Um, he says, "Pray for all people. Um, there's no such thing as us and them when we pray. There, there, we are." See, he talks about we're there's only one mediator, right? We we pray for all people. So I, I as I was studying, I went in to think, okay, like I I was hoping, like let's go to the Greek and see what all people means. What is Paul talking about when he says all people? It's two words anthropone. Um, you don't need to remember that. I'm gonna tell you what it means. It means all people. <laughs> it literally means all humans. Anthropon is a, is where we get the word anthropology, the study of humans, right? All humans. He says for all So, he said, so yeah, what he said, for people. He means for all people. There's nothing special there. I was like, okay, it's very simple. Just for all people, right? Um, yeah political climate i mentioned this earlier it's so easy to draw lines between us and them to say this is us the good people and that's them the bad people whoever you you think the them is there's us and the them but paul says no um this is ephesians chapter two so it's the letter he wrote to this church he says uh, speaking of Jesus, he says, for he uh, Ephesians 2 to 14 to 16, if you want the reference. For He himself is our peace, who makes both one and has broken on in his flesh the divine wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. That that jesus in his death on the cross reconciled us to god and to each other in one motion that god made one new people out of all the thousands of peoples there are in the world he made one new people in christ this is Ephesus. remember this this is um saying we are making one new people here in your city We are bringing about this new people. Jesus brought about this new people by by tearing down this dividing wall. Um, And when we pray, it should reflect that, right? Um, Also, the thought struck me as I was writing. He also doesn't say um, pray against all people. Um, (laughs) And that thought just kind of occurred to me this afternoon. And I was like, I'm going to add this in because um, there are people frustrating that we live with in our city or in our country or or maybe even in our own family Um, but says we should pray for the good of those people we should pray for their salvation ultimately in jesus uh, and love them right this is first peter 3 9 through 11 do not repeat evil for evil or reviling for reviling so when people mock you don't mock them back, or when they call you stupid on Facebook, don't jump in there and be like, no, you're stupid, and here's what, we put evil for evil or reviving for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his touch from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, let him turn from evil and do good, let him seek peace and pursue it. So when we're praying, we're praying for the good of all people. Even these people that we don't really like that much, the people that frustrate us. But I already said at the end of chapter one, Timothy, he's, he's urging him to wage war. So we waging war against? Um, well, Satan. Satan is our real enemy. We saw chapter six of Ephesians, uh, 6.12. Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the the rulers in your city in Ephesus are corrupt and they're wicked and they're doing terrible things, but they're actually not our enemy. Our enemy is the enemy behind that. Our enemy is the Satan who's at work in this city. And so they are out of the fight we're not waging war against uh, the enemy that we should be waging war against because we're too busy taking shots at people who are captives of that enemy rather than engaging that enemy uh, directly. So pray for the people in your communities. Pray for those people uh, that are on the quote unquote wrong side, right? Pray for them because the real enemy isn't that person. It's Satan. It's the work, the, the powers at work behind all of this uh, wickedness that's happening right a few years ago, there was a man uh, I, I want to say he was a teacher at Waianae High School but I may be wrong about this but he was um, uh, nominated and and won teacher of the year uh, and they interviewed him I remember they interviewed him on um, Hawaii News Now and they were like you know what's the secret? Because normally there's like a progression. People become like more and more famous and then they become teacher of the year. But this guy just like came out of nowhere and nobody knew who he was and suddenly he won teacher of the year. And they were like, what, what did you do differently to suddenly become teacher of the year? And he, in the interview, he said, you don't wanna know what I've done. And they were like, what is that? And he's like, well, I'm gonna tell you um, but you're, you're, that you're not gonna be satisfied with my answer. And they were like, no, tell us what, what you did. And he said, well, I used to hate my job. And I'd come in and I'd just get through the day and I'd go home. And last summer, I, I was really um, praying and and God spoke to me in the, through the book that I should love these students. And so I decided every morning, I'm gonna come in and pray for every student in my class before we started the school day. Um, and that's the thing that I did different. And the interviewer, there's this moment of pause and she's like, yeah, but what did you do differently? <laughs> he didn't like his answer. Because he, he decided to pray for students that, that he hated <laughs> before, suddenly now he loved them and he wanted them to succeed, right? This is true for us. Uh, we pray for these people, right? as we pray globally, all humans, it's all humans, not just all humans in your city, right? Um, Pray for all people, he said. There are internationals right here in our city. Um, They are working at your favorite restaurants. They're in your grocery stores. They are in your coffee shops. They're on your campuses. Internationals live right here in the city with us. Um, Pray for these people that you meet. Keep your eyes open and see God has brought the nations to us in the city. And we can love them and pray for them and lead them to Christ and send them home To nations where they don't have access to the gospel. They don't have any Christians there to tell them about Jesus. We can meet them here. Not that, but like a great globally, pray for people that are in unstable or oppressive conditions. People in Ukraine right now need your prayers. Uh, God is doing amazing things and people are coming to Christ in Ukraine right now. Pray for that. Pray that God would continue. People in China, believers, your brothers and sisters in China are suffering. Every day because it is illegal to practice their faith there. North not only do you get punished, but your family gets punished if you become a believer, right? Yemen, Ethiopia, uh, Israel right now are all in ongoing conflicts, violence, uh, and and uh disaster. Afghanistan you can add to the list. Uh Cuba is another place, right? There are these places in the world that are not safe and secure like the U.S. is. They are unstable, they're dangerous, they're oppressive, and we should care about those people and pray for them. And maybe as you pray for them, God will stir your heart to do something about it, to get involved, uh, to welcome refugees in our city, or to give to some organization, or maybe to go yourself. Uh, so, so as you're waiting war, pray gladly. And Paul says, in multiple ways. He gives several ways to pray, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. That's four different ways of saying pray. So pray, 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 and pray for all people, right, Paul is saying. Um, so I'm going gonna, gonna to go to Greek again. Um, it, it didn't help that much. <laughs> I'm a Greek scholar. If I was a Greek scholar, maybe I'd, I'd be able to draw some more conclusions here. But supplication is humbly begging for for some kind of work to be done that we come before god and beg him to work on behalf of ukraine beg him to work on behalf of the japanese people who are less than one percent believers um is asking god for the good of something right uh, intercession is pray on behalf of someone else for their good sometimes people can't pray for themselves they don't know jesus in japan they can't pray for themselves right So we pray on their behalf. We intercede for them uh, to know Christ. Uh, And and the thought occurred to me, do I pray for for them as if their problems were my own problems? Because that's what intercession means, to to pray to God on behalf of them as if their problems were my problems. Uh, And that was a convicting thought to me. And finally, thanksgiving. We thanks for these all people. Um, that we give thanks for them to God. We give thanks to God for the good things that He's doing in their lives. Right? Matthew says in our prayers we are to give to have a generous concern for others as well as for ourselves. We're to pray for all men and to give thanks for all men, and must not confine our prayers or our thanksgiving to our own persons or families. Uh, and and this little, little phrase to give thanks for. For all men, he says. Um, one of the things that I put on my heart to do uh, when we pray at, at dinner time, like say we go to pho or we go to sushi or something, is to pray, thank you, God, for this people and for the food that they made. And we pray that they would come to know Christ. Um, God made a beautiful, crazy, diverse population of all humans. And they are creative and cool and interesting. And they come up with all kinds of uh, wonderful things. And we should thank God for that. That's verse one. <laughs> we verse. I'll speak that, I promise. It, it gets faster. These prayers for people. And it says, kings and for all. Positions that we lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This one, okay. I'm going to step on some toast tonight, and mostly, and 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 definitely stepping on my own toes tonight, okay. So if you, if I step on your toes, just know that I'm stepping on mine already all week, okay. And this one, it's hard for me. This is hard for me. I see so many problems in our infrastructure, in our city government, in our state government, like everything, I see all these problems and it restricts me. Uh, and it's way easier to complain about it. You can ask Kaleo, he knows. <laughs> I go on rants. It's um, saying, pray, pray for the leaders. Um, and when I'm stuck in traffic, driving home to Aina Haina at 5.30 in the afternoon and I'm going crazy because we don't have any trains and we don't have any roadways that are usable. In that moment, I should step up and pray for our leaders, pray for our city planning department, pray for our mayor, pray for our governor, pray for the heart, uh, the the train authority, right? Pray for those things, that God bring good and blessing to our city. What, what is your just to pray for our city? I thought four reasons, there's probably more, but here's my four reasons. One, most of our leaders. Are leaders. So our first reason to pray for it is for them. The same reason we pray for everybody for them to know Jesus, for them to come to Christ. How cool would it be if we got to heaven and Governor Egan was there with us? Be like, whoa, bro, what's up? Right? That'd be great. Pray for Egan to come to Christ, right? Um, so, number one reason for that they would come to Christ, number two, they are making decisions every day that affect all of us in big ways, and they need wisdom, and wisdom we know comes from God. So let's pray that God would give him his wisdom, in his grace, uh, and that they would make good decisions that would benefit everybody. Uh, the third reason is so that we can live quiet, dignified, godly lives in the city. It's good to live a life that is dignified, peaceful, quiet, and for comfort's sake, but to be a blessing to your city to be a blessing to your neighborhood and to your family and to your coworkers and to the customers who come into your store, right? So pray for our leaders to make decisions that make the city a better place and make it easier for us to love our neighbors and care for people and to be people of compassion and uh, godliness. Uh, And the reason I came up with uh, was to walk in love and to demonstrate faith. This is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, the of God as beloved children and walk in as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then look in chapter 5, 15 and 16, he says, look then carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I think that's really important for us to remember because Paul's not talking about the city that's a wonderful, peaceful utopia. He's saying, for the city, be imitators of God, live and walk in love in this city, so that you will use the time wisely, uh, and that Jesus will be honored, right? Because He says the days are evil. This because the city is evil, that's why you should live this way. Well, uh, what the world needed two thousand years ago in the city of Ephesus. It's the same thing the world needs now, and that is a visible picture of God's love and peace demonstrated by this community of Jesus' followers. But the, the people in our city are in conflict, and they need to see diverse people of all ages and ethnicities and economic backgrounds living together and loving each other in peace uh, and kindness. People need to see that. Um, and, and I'm afraid that, that Christians in America have become so known for what they're against, for protesting, for shouting at LGBT people, or for whatever, right? Rioting at the Capitol. And what tragedy that, that people uh, intent on violence and disruption carried crosses that day. And, and now people are looking at that and saying, is that what it means to be a Christian? To, to be violent? and to mean disruption, that's a tragedy. Paul, that's so contrary to what the Bible tells us, how we should live, right? Paul is sitting here, "Walk well, as unwise, but it's wise. Live peaceably, he says, in the city. Pray for people that we may live a peaceful and quiet life. A few years ago, Chick-fil-A got into trouble, um, into trouble, they canceled because they're supporting, uh, quote unquote, anti-LGBT, uh, uh, organizations. It, it, it turns out it was FCA and InterVarsity, which is like, that's definitely not an anti-LGBT organization. Uh, anyway, they canceled, and all these people were protesting at Chick-fil-A's all across the country. And Chick-fil-A is a family-owned business, and the family that owns it are believers, right? And so the email went from the national office to all the franchise owners and said, this is how we're going to engage with the people who are protesting on our property. We're gonna give them free glasses of ice water. We're gonna give them uh, chicken sandwiches for free if they're hungry. And um, if they wanna sit down because they're tired from standing up in the sun, then let them come into the, to the, to the restaurant and sit in the AC. And if you have extra breath, take them out and put them out where the protesters are standing so they can protest in the shade. Seeing the world, right? Yeah, that is what it means to live a quiet and peaceful life in a godly way in your city. When people are protesting you and slandering you, you're like, Hey, would you pick a chicken sandwich? It's a good one, it's the best, it's the best one. In fact, your best free chicken sandwich. Um, so for reasons I came with, but there would be more. I would prefer the which are subject to the government to do good and to seek the blessing of the city. In, in Romans 13, Paul tells us uh, that every authority in the government was placed there by God and exercises authority on his behalf. Jesus said something similar in Matthew 22 and in Mark 12 and in John 20. They come and they're like, hey, Jesus, do we have to pay taxes? And he's like, "Who's face it on the coin? And they're like, Caesar. And then he says, and give Caesar what's Caesar's, right? That we should be subject to the government uh, that, that is above us, not above God. Obviously, God is our, our highest uh, uh, authority in all cases. And when the government disagrees with God, then we follow God, right? But uh, from that, Jesus and Paul and also Peter say submit to the government. God put that government in place, right? Uh, this hit me too. Think about the governments. These believers are commanded to submit to. Okay, so uh, Babylon, when the Israelites go to Babylon, um, the prophet is writing to them, and God tells them uh, uh, what to do while they're in Babylon. There were three possible reactions to a corrupt uh, government: one, we could fight for control; two, we could retreat uh, and form kind of like monastic. You know, monasteries and, and become monks and just withdraw from society. Well, the third way is to engage with the culture that we're in, engage in the society. That's Jeremiah 29 10 through 13. This is what the Lord says. Okay, he's speaking to the Israelites who are about to be um, destroyed in Babylon and taken as slaves to Babylon. And this is what God tells them 70 years. Then I will come. And do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, they're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. If you step When you pray, I will listen. If you look wholeheartedly, you will find me. Before that, he says, When you get to the city, um, I thought I had it, I didn't put it in my notes here, but he says, When you get to the city, build the gardens, marry there, bless the city, and pray for its welfare. So God him, with the, uh, to the Israelites, "You're going to go. To you're going to be there for, for 70 years. That is not a good news, right? You're going to be slept in Babylon for 70 years, and what you're there, you Good the gardens, to see your neighbors in that city, for, for the benefit and the blessing uh, of this city. Is Babylon a good, a good government. <laughs> no, it's probably the most easy governments that ever existed, and." and- so the Bible, the whole rest of the Bible, Babylon is used as the symbol for wickedness in the world, right? That every time God is, it wants to represent wickedness in a big way. It's about Babylon, Babylon the Great, right? And yet, the I mean, in chapter nine, the city, Love the city, and pray for its welfare. To my mind, how, how, how patient and kind God is uh, for, for us and for the cities that we live in. What was it the government? The government killing people. And in fact, they killed people for fun. It was one of the things they did for fun. And yet, the, Paul commands the Romans in chapter 13 submit to this government because it was put there by God on this government. Ephesus Paul was personally persecuted in this city, in Ephesus. And he tells them To submit and to bless the city, right? Um, Compared to those governments, as much as as much problems as governments have compared to the problems, it's a Sunday park, right? Like, those were some crazy places, crazy evil governments. Um, And so it should be easier for us to love and bless our city uh, than it was for them. And God's command for us is to engage uh, in, in our culture and in our government with love. This is First Thessalonians 4, 10 through 12. We urge you brothers to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands as we've instructed you so that we may work really before outsiders and be dependent on no one. <laughs> I love that Paul says mind your own business. Sometimes we're so worried about other people's business. So we got our own stuff. It's like we're not taken care of, right? Uh, first Peter um, he writes it this way. No, for what's good, but if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but your conscience on Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the one that is in you, yet you do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame it's better to be for doing good if it should be god's will than for doing evil that peter is saying listen if you suffer it's good you're suffering for jesus Don't suffer for doing dumb things he says but instead if you suffer for righteousness then you'll be rewarded And he says always be prepared to make defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet he says because we definitely need to hear this. He says, do it with gentleness and respect, right? It's like, it's like God, we would need. And he did. And we need that. We need to know and be reminded by Peter that we got to do it with gentleness and respect. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. What is our motivation for praying? and loving the city that we're in, it's, it's because God is pleased when our hearts align with his heart for all people, right? It's concerned, should not be getting people into office, but getting people into heaven. God cares more about our leading people to saving knowledge of Jesus than our personal uh, political goals or economic goals or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, In fact, God wants that same all people from verse one to be saved. There are literally hundreds of verses through every single book of the Bible that point to God's goal to save people from every ethnic group. Literally every single Bible has uh, a mention of God's heart for all nations, every single book. Uh, and, And it is pleasing to him when we get on board with that. We are most on target when we're praying and working towards that goal. Uh, his goal, of, Jesus said, uh, make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1 10 through 12. You took the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are your, the work of your hands. They would perish, but you remain. Like a garment. But you will them up like They will be changed, but you are the same and your years have no end. Or this is chapter 13, verse 14. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This is how we live in a, a supernatural way in our city. That, that here, our city, it's not blue. Our city is that Zion. That's gonna come one day. We love Honolulu. We pray for the blessing of Honolulu. We've already seen that, but the reality, our true citizenship is there. That city, every country, every kingdom, every empire, even this one, will fall. But His kingdom, His city, lasts forever, and that's the hope that we have. The Gospel, Revelation 7, 9, and 10, gives us a picture of what heaven will look like at the end when everything is done and it's it's all finished. Here's what heaven is going to look like. After that, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe, and people, and language before the throne and before the Lamb, in light robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne to the Lamb. That's God's goal. And this is why Jesus came. When we pray this way, we get on board with that. That pleases God. And we see in verse five to seven, that one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who to himself the ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. For the this- a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Jesus died to ransom all peoples, even the ones we find it hard to pray for. There's one God, one God over all peoples, and one mediator, one pathway to that God. We, all of us will give an account. Every one of us, one day before God, we will give an account for our lives. And the bad news is all of us have messed it up big time. And there's only one in all of the universe who will plead our case before God. We can't do it. There's only one. And the one who will plead our case is Jesus. Ephesians 2 is all about that. I have a long passage I want to quote, but I'll I'll say this. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the corpse of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He goes on to say, this is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. That this is 100% God's work, and he did it himself because of his own love. Not because we were worthy, not because we deserved it, but because of his own love, he did this. In chapter one, Paul gets his own testimony about saying that he is the worst of sinners. He says, this thing is trustworthy and deserving of full uh, acceptance that Christ Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy. For this reason, in me as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. The chief of sinners, and God saved me as an example, so that everyone can look and see how merciful Jesus is. In chapter four of Ephesians, uh, he tells them uh, the very, and the very last thing that he tells them is this: Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm ambassador in chains. That that Paul is saying, listen, Jesus died to save these people. That is what we should be telling people. We are all saved and included in God's people because there's only one way to God. And through Jesus, we become one new people. And he said, as I'm in chains, as I'm about to go to Rome and die in Rome, Pray for me that I'll be bold to share the gospel even there in that city. That should be our goal as well as we're praying. Uh, so, of this teaching that Paul gives them to pray, um, in verse 8, he says, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, in unity. That's the result of all this that, that he just. Talk to them, he reminded Timothy, the result is that everybody should pray together in unity. So my challenge for us tonight. It's real simple. Great. <laughs> That's it. The end. No, uh, let, let prayer be our first response. It is so easy for me. I have, I have 15, 16 years of ministry experience now, and it is so easy for me to come up against a problem and just jump jump right to it. Oh, well, this this is a solution to that. Here's going to work in this situation. Here's how to do this. Here's some advice for you. You yeah, come to me with this question. Here's what the Bible says. Okay, go. Um, and it's a conviction to me. My first response should be, let's pray real quick. Let's pray about this problem. And then let's see where God leads us. Um, I should be on my own experience. I should be relying first on God. That comes through prayer. So pray. that's, that's my challenge to us tonight, pray. Um, and that I that, I have two things. One, maybe uh, some of us, and I'm putting myself in this first category here, some of us have been putting our hope in the government to fix problems or in the city's infrastructure to solve problems. My challenge to myself and to anyone else in this category tonight is to remember that, that this empire is temporary. This empire will fall, but his empire will not. His kingdom is forever. So let's pray for this blessing. Pray for the blessing of this city. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our politicians that they would make wise and godly choices. But do not hope in them. Let's not put our hope in this city. Let's not put our hope in the president. Let's put our hope in Jesus, in Christ alone. Right. That's for me tonight. You just get to listen. The price have been a little smaller than what God would want. Um, expand your prayers to include all people, uh, even the ones that are hard to pray for. Pray for your neighbors and coworkers instead of complaining about them, um, and and pray for them diligently. Uh, and ask God for opportunities to share the gospel. My, this um, is for free. I'm doing this for free. The tool that I teach for my discipleship guys is to pray for Bob, B-O-B, pray for Bob. Uh in for the lost opportunities to share the gospel, boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Burden, opportunities, boldness. Pray for Bob, for families, for your uh, neighbors, for your coworkers, especially the annoying ones. Um, pray for Bob for them. Um, and uh, secondly, under that, if you're if you're finding your prayers are a little small, you're just praying for friends and family who are sick. Find the resource to help you pray globally. books of the martyrs uh, has a publication that comes up once a month, and they talk about people who are in these countries that are suffering for Jesus, and that will 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 expand your heart in a way I can't describe. When you when you read these stories about our brothers and sisters who are singing praises as they're marched up to firing squads, that will that will expand your heart and and. It's just, this is reality. Um, in this week, the last hundred years, we've had this weird um, privilege as Christians. That is not the normal way that Christians have lived for 2000 years or even right now in the world. We are so weird as American Christians that we are comfortable and, and uh, safe. Uh, most Christians throughout history and, and alive in the world today are not safe. And they take great risks to follow Jesus. So for them, they, need your, they need your encouragement. They need your prayers. Uh, they need your, uh, your help. Uh, the Jehovah project has an app. I forgot the name of the app. Um, but uh, it, you can actually set it to set, set an alert. And it'll come up once a day and tell you, here's the, here's the people group in the world the unreached people group in the world that everybody's praying for today. So you can click on the notification and press the little button that says, I'm praying. And they give you a list of things to pray for, for that people to come to know Jesus. Uh, we at uh, Baptist Church support the international mission and they have a ton of great resources on their website, imb.org, go on. You can find missionaries to pray for, or you can find people groups to pray for, or you can find country-specific prayer requests, uh, you can join missionary prayer lists. So if you know missionaries, they can sign you up for their email. They usually send out an email once a month with all the things that, that they need prayer for for the ministry that they're doing. Sign up for my email list if you want. Let me know. I'll add you in. Um, you can pray for the international students. Um, so let God expand your prayers uh, to be bigger than, than like like uh, Matthew Henry said, bigger than ourselves and our families. right? Um, let's let's all of us put the gospel. Speaking to myself, let's all of us put the gospel first as a matter of greatest priority. And so far at first, that's hard to think of a number two. That my my priority is so my number one priority is so much the gospel that it's even hard for me to think, what well, what was the second thing? Oh yeah, infrastructure in the city. <laughs> right? Let, let that be true of us, right? But are at stake. Let's pray as if the souls of our friends and coworkers and family and classmates are at stake because they are, and Jesus died to save them. Let's pray. Thank you so much for convicting me this week um, from this passage. Uh, Help us to, uh, this church, I'm so, I love this church so much because they pray so much and they pray so well. And they pray for each other so deeply, Lord. I pray that we would be even better at it. That we would that we would just keep getting better at prayer. That we would join in your mission uh, and be on task with you, Jesus. Now you pray urgently for God to bring his kingdom and may your prayers change the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys.